Hey guys, welcome to another episode of True Crimes and Weird Times. I'm Ashley. And I'm Kim. And today, I have a special true crime story for you. And I'm going to be telling you about Linda Burfield Hazard, a quote-unquote doctor from the early 1900s who spent years abusing, robbing, and starving patients to death at her sanitarium the locals nicknamed Starvation Heights. Burfield was born in Carver County, Minnesota in 1867. She was one of eight children, and at 18 years old, she married Erwin Perry. The couple had two children named Roland and Flora. Roland. Roland. Love it. But about 13 years into her marriage in 1898, Linda decided that she'd had enough of the family life (laughs) and decided to move to Minneapolis to pursue a career in medicine. All right. So she divorced her husband, and she left her kids behind, and she basically pretended that they never existed for the rest of her life. Oh, cool. The dream. As mothers do, I guess. Uh, I guess. (laughs) According to one of the books that Linda herself wrote, Mm -hmm. she had studied medicine under Dr. Edward Dewey, who wrote the book The Gospel of Health. Dr. Dewey was a supporter of using fasting to cure various ailments and diseases, and Linda took a particular interest in this. Uh, that's Dr. Linda? You're right, Dr. Linda. <laughs> in fact, she actually corrected a judge at her trial that Mrs. Hazard was her mother-in-law. Her name was Dr. Hazard. Oh, geez. Okay, now mm-hmm. we know what kind of lady this is. Oh, yeah, you're going to find out. First of all, she left her family. <laughs> oh, yeah, step one. <laughs> So after Linda studied this fasting routine with this Mm -hmm. doctor, she decided that she wanted to do this. Uh And she began coaching people through this intense fasting program that she claimed could cure everything from cancer to toothaches. Oh, geez. It's a bit of a stretch thing. So even in the early 1900s, fasting medicine was today's like, essential oils like detoxing she literally says in her books that her goal is to like flush toxins out of your body yikes toxins in the 19th like this is it's been around forever guys yeah this has always been a thing so while linda was in minneapolis getting her medical practice (laughs) built her doctorate uh linda met the man of her dreams Mm. his name was samuel hazard He was a West Point graduate who never actually had a military career after he misappropriated military funds. Oof. Oh, match made in heaven. He was also an alcoholic and a swindler who'd already been married twice before. Okay. So naturally in 1903, the two got married. Husband material. Wife material. Well, except remember the two ex-wives I mentioned? Uh Turns out he never actually divorced one of them. Oh, God. So a very scandalous and very publicized bigamy trial soon followed. What a wild ride already. (laughs) Samuel was sentenced to two years in prison, and Linda continued treating patients while patiently waiting for his release. So sweet. Oh, he was still married? Minor inconvenience. (laughs) I'll wait for him to get out of prison. It's fine. When Samuel was released from prison in 1907, the couple needed a fresh start. Somewhere where they didn't have to deal with all that pesky bigamy Hmm. business. Weird. Somewhere far away where Linda could practice her 
medicine. <laughs> so the couple bought this 40-acre plot in a little town called Ulala, Washington. Ulala. And they had plans to one day build Linda's sanitarium there, which is like a hospital. Yeah. But in the meantime, Linda opened a practice in Seattle, which was just a ferry ride away. Okay. Now, when I say practice, I mean this was a legal practice. Like That's crazy. At the time in Washington, there was a loophole that allowed her to be grandfathered in as a doctor in alternative medicine. Oh, my God. Okay. So despite having basically no actual medical training at all, Linda Hazard now had a license to practice medicine. Is that what Dr. Oz did? Maybe. <laughs> like, so Linda's treatments consisted of weeks of fasting, with the patients receiving only a cup or two of tomato or asparagus broth every day. Oh, my God. Occasionally, they would also receive a spoonful of orange juice. <laughs> okay. In addition to the fasting, the patients would undergo massages by Linda herself. Huh. And these massages were actually more like beating. Oh, my God. So Linda would pound on their backs and on their forehead and cries of pain could be heard during these sessions. That's just uh, toxins living in the body. Yeah. In fact, one witness said that she walked in on Linda doing one of these massages and beating this person in the back while yelling, expel, expel. Oh could you imagine? No. <laughs> I'm just going to. I'll come back later. She would also submit patients to daily enemas that lasted oh. for hours. How are these people not dying sooner? She would administer these enemas in a bathtub. And she had canvas supports in place to hold up the patients for when they passed out. Jeez. So wait, are they like sitting in their own filth? I can only imagine that they are. Yikes. I mean, did they... If they didn't plug the drain, I guess, but like... Maybe. Did they have drains back then? I don't... Not Tino. I do not know. Not, yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe not. I don't... That's gross. But hours and hours of an anime. Can you imagine? Like Until they pass out. Like that's... People would scream in pain. Like that is not something that your um, body is meant to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Despite this terrible treatment that people were receiving... There were still patients who went through Linda's program and came back raving about how they were healed and how miraculous it was and just singing her praises. Like people were legitimately sold on this. They really thought it was working. That doesn't make sense. But in 1908, after a second person died under Linda's care. I'm surprised it's just two people. Oh, that we know of. Well, that's true. That's fair. After the second person dies, that's when the media starts to notice her. Mm -hmm. The first woman who died was named Lenora J. Wilcox, and she had died the year before in 1907. Okay. The second was 38-year-old Daisy Maud Hagland. Daisy had died after a 53-day fast under Linda's care. Wow. She left behind a three-year-old son named Ivar. He actually went on to open the famous restaurants in Seattle, Ivar's Restaurants. Oh, wow. That was him. Yeah. Okay. His mother was killed by Linda Hazard. Here's the kicker, though. Uh-huh. Ivar himself was still taken to Linda for treatments even after his mother's death. At three? At three years old. What does a three-year-old need to detox for? 
his ailments. All of them. Jeez. Now, Linda's response to this public outcry, because, I mean, this is in the papers now. Yeah. Was to publish a full-page article to educate people about her fasting cure. Uh-huh. She denied that these deaths were caused by starvation and said, quote, in each of these cases, it is my absolute conviction that their days were prolonged by the methods employed. Oh, jeez. Meaning, they were totally going to die anyway, and I actually helped them live longer, mm-hmm. guys. Uh-huh. I'm so mad. <laughs> she went on to say that in her 11 years of practice, only nine patients had been lost. Only. She said, quote, what doctor can show a record such as that? When a physician administers a drug and his patient dies in 20 minutes, nothing is said. But when one of my charges dies, there is a great stir. The regular doctors hate me because I have a new method. They abhor anything new. Oh, God. They abhor it because it's garbage. Now, when she said that regular doctors hated her, she was not exaggerating. Like, this is doctors today looking at people going, just put onions in your socks and you'll be all better. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the kind yeah. of, of look these doctors are giving her. I mean, I know this was 1907, but like they still knew you can't cure cancer by yeah. not eating. This isn't this is not one of those cases where it's just a woman. Back then, women weren't supposed to be doctors anyway, but this lady was like um, on a different level. She was she was they into did. the woo-woo. Yeah. The, the one time they don't hate her because she's a woman. <laughs> right. I mean, her method, like her actual quotes in her book, she wrote several books, at least three. Oh, geez. Um, was that she, you needed to allow your digestive system to rest and let the vegetable juices expel all the toxins because your digestive juices uh-huh. in your body get off balanced. And that's what causes you to have all these things wrong with you. <laughs> but then she goes and gives them an enema. You got to get all the toxins out. That's not resting. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Now, in fact, a health director of Seattle actually said that he could not intervene with her practice because Linda was licensed. She had a medical license and these patients were all willing participants. These people were literally paying her to be starved, beaten, and tortured, sometimes to death. And Linda was this very, like, commanding and kind of intimidating woman. Uh So most of her patients were simply just too afraid (laughs) to disobey her. I mean, I guess, so. I guess if someone's beating you and torturing you daily and they're the only person <laughs> who can give you any kind of sustenance, like, I would also probably be afraid to not do what she told me. Yeah, but you could also leave willingly, I would suppose. Man. I would hope. So basically, because of these laws and because what she was doing was technically <laughs> legal. Consensual. No one could do anything to stop her. Yucks. So all the health director could do was, like, keep an eye on yeah. her and, like, Maybe I can stop her before she kills a child, is basically what he said. (sighs) In the years that followed, Linda's practice stayed very busy, despite the growing number of deaths. In fact, at one point, someone else died, and there was a headline in the newspaper that was like, another death up at Starvation Heights again. Like, it's in the papers. This is not a secret. I was going to say, that's super wild. Like, people are seeing this, the headlines, and still going. Still going guess they just couldn't handle it linda would put patients up in hotels or little shacks on the property Mm -hmm. and the property had previously been named wilderness heights Mm -hmm. 
and many of the locals had taken to calling it Starvation Heights um. because they would occasionally see skeleton-like people stumbling into town begging for food. Oh, my God. And, like, they just lived here, and they're like, oh, look, there's another one. They must have escaped. Like, oh, my God. God, could you imagine? Linda even treated and subsequently killed hmm. a few higher-profile people, such as Frank Stewart Southard, a prominent attorney whose law partner publicly defended Linda. Ooh. This just also shows, like, how deep yeah. this, like, ran in people, this belief that she was doing something good. That's crazy insane. Edward Harrison was the publisher of Alaska Yukon Magazine and the publisher of one of Linda's own books called Fasting for the Cure of Disease. <laughs> and she killed him. Yeah. He went for treatment and she killed him. And even Lewis Ellsworth Radar, he was a Washington legislator who had actually previously owned Wilderness Heights and had granted the land over to Linda. Oh, in fact, when they found out that he was in her treatment and yeah. people went to question him, he was suddenly and quickly moved away to a shack oh. in Wilderness Heights. And then he was not heard from again because he hmm. died. I wonder if that one was on purpose. Anytime a patient would die, if the autopsy was performed by another doctor, the cause of death was always starvation. Well, yeah. But when Linda herself performed the autopsy, you know, because she was a licensed doctor. Yeah, of course. The cause of death was always anything but starvation. Hmm. Like one of her first uh, victims that died, mm -hmm. she put that her cause of death was stomach cancer. So like she would have died anyway. Yeah. So she would find little things like that. Like they were on their way out. They were going to die. This was going to yeah. kill them no matter what I did. But I helped them live a little, just a little bit longer. Yeah. They didn't eat. So that means that they got to stay alive longer. Yucks. But finally, in 1911, Linda murdered the wrong person. Mm -hmm. And she wouldn't be able to keep it as quiet anymore. <laughs> and people were about to find out just how evil this woman really was. All right, let's do this. Dorothea, who went by Dora, and Claire Williamson were both from England. So these are not American mm -hmm. women. And they were both in their 30s, and they were exceptionally wealthy. Ah. While the women were visiting Victoria, British Columbia, the sisters read an advertisement for Linda's book in a Seattle newspaper. Now, these sisters were very into alternative medicine, and there was always some ailment that needed to be treated with mm -hmm. these sisters. <laughs> when you have the money, of course. <laughs> right. So they, of course, were immediately interested in this book because it's right up their alley. Mm -hmm. And the book came with a brochure for the Institute of Natural Therapeutics in Ulala, which is what Linda was planning to call her sanitarium when it was built. Mm -hmm. Notice I said planning to. I did notice that. So the sisters contacted Linda to enroll in her program. Dora said that she had swollen glands and rheumatic pains. Same. And Claire had been told that she had a dropped uterus. So the women were just certain <sighs> that Linda was going to be able to cure them. All right. Linda told the women that, oh, well, the Institute's not quite ready for patients yet. So You're too rich for me to kill right now. <laughs> so, well, it didn't exist. Her brochure was for a sanitarium that did not exist. She just yeah. had like little cabins and shacks on this big 40 acre property that she kept people in Yikes. that were barely 
barely living quarters. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. So in February of 1911, February, keep that in mind, mm-hmm. she set these women up in some apartments in Seattle instead. She's like, oh, it's not quite ready. I'm going to put you in these apartments while we finish up and then we'll move you over when it's done. Mm-hmm. There she began her therapy of starvation, hours long enemas, complete with the canvases to catch them when they fainted, uh-huh. and the beatings that she called massages. Mm-hmm. Now, since the sisters knew that their families didn't approve of these alternative medicine treatments, like for good reason. Yeah. They hadn't told anyone where they were going. Oh, no. Not anybody. Yeah. During this time, Linda also often inquired about their business affairs hmm. and even graciously offered to let the women store their diamond jewelry and their real estate deeds in her office safe. Hmm. How nice of her. You're just trying to keep them secure. You yeah, know? of course. On April 22nd, 1911, Claire and Dora were moved via stretchers and ambulance from the apartments to Wilderness Heights. To continue therapy. To continue therapy. Okay. By this point, the women were emaciated and delirious. Jeez. During the transfer, Linda Hazard's private attorney got a signature from Claire modifying her will and giving her monthly stipend to Linda's institute. Shocker. And stating that in case of death, Claire wanted her body cremated under the care of Linda Hazard. Very curious. Hmm. Now, these women were moved by a stretcher because they could not walk right. anymore. Right. They started fasting in February, and it is now April. That is just two months. On April 30th, the women's childhood caretaker named Margaret Conway got a strange telegram asking her to visit them in Ulala. Okay. Now, it was a very short telegram. I don't know the exact things that it said. Yeah. But I know it was very cryptic, and it didn't make a lot of sense. So, it was concerning enough to Margaret that... She pretty much immediately left to go mm-hmm. visit them. Now, remember, this is 1911. This uh-huh. was not hop on a plane and be there in two hours. Right. And Margaret Conway was actually in Sydney, Australia, visiting family at oh, the time. Wow. Okay. So a week after she got the telegram, she left Sydney, Australia by boat mm-hmm. and arrived in Seattle on June 1st. Oh, geez. So now these women have been in therapy. Therapy. <laughs> since february and it is now june when margaret arrives on her boat in seattle she is met immediately by samuel hazard hmm. he informs her that claire is dead and that dora <sighs> is insane okay she was taken to a mortuary and shown an embalmed body that she couldn't even recognize as claire Jeez. claire had weighed less than 50 pounds at the time of her death but since Linda was the one to do her autopsy, starvation was not found as her cause of death. Must have been that dropped uterus. Yeah. There was even like a theory that Linda had traded corpses with a slightly healthier person so they couldn't see just how bad Ooh. Claire looked. Because Margaret said that not only did this woman not look like Claire, which I mean, obviously after not eating for four months, yeah. you're going to look crazy. But... She said her hair color was different. Her facial features were different. Like, she didn't even recognize her. I would not put it past this lady. Oh, I wouldn't either. So. I would absolutely believe that Linda yeah. would do that. Especially with her will saying she wanted to be cremated. Mm, yeah. And 
Well, Claire actually died 15 days after Dora sent the telegram to Margaret. Oh, geez. Back in April. Yeah. So Claire died in April. Her body is being shown to Margaret in June. Yeah. So did they just like hang on to her for that long? Like so we can show you? Did they cremate her? Did they have a different body? Like uh, They said she was embalmed, but wouldn't she still decompose some? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Margaret was then taken back to Wilderness Heights to visit Dora, who was being kept in basically a shack. Yeah. And she was now so starved and so emaciated that she couldn't even sit down without pain because Uh, it was just bone. Yeah. At only 60 pounds, she was basically a skeleton. And I do have a picture of her after her treatment that we will post on our social media for you guys to see. Um, Yeah. Trigger warning just in case. Yeah. Initially, when Margaret showed up, Dora begged her to take her away. Like, Mm -hmm. please get me out of here. But the next day, she recanted, saying that the treatment was doing wonders for her. What did she do to her? Margaret then learned that Linda had managed to gain guardianship over Dora by claiming she was mentally insane. (sighs) They had gotten her to basically sign over her rights as a human being to Linda Hazard. Wow. To make matters more complicated, Linda also claimed that Dora still owed $2,000 for her treatment, and she couldn't leave until it was paid, which I'm pretty sure is literally the definition of holding someone for Um, ransom, but like, what do I know? You know. So Margaret stayed with Dora a little while trying to find a way to get her out. She would Mm -hmm. sneak some rice flour into her vegetable broth every day to try and get her some more, like, nutrients. Yeah. And during her time there with Dora... You know, the 4th of July came. Normally, Mm -hmm. the patients were kept separated, so they couldn't see each other. Right. But on the 4th of July, they were all let out, you know, of their cages, I guess. They were all let out. To celebrate freedom. Right. And during this time, while the patients were out, at least two other patients went up to Margaret and begged for her to get them out of there because they were being held as prisoners. Oh, God, that's so sad. Margaret also noted that during one of her meetings with Linda, Linda was wearing one of Claire's silk dressing gowns and her favorite hat. Oh, my God. She had been helping herself to Claire's things and had obtained rights to Claire's half of their estate. The audacity. Their plan was to keep Dora and gain her half of the estate as well uh-huh. to have full control over the women's money. Jeez. But the audacity to literally like go to a meeting in that woman's clothes. Right? That's insane. Like this woman's here trying to save the other sister. I'm going to like flaunt around in the dead one's clothes. Oh, it was a total power move. Absolutely. Had to be. Absolutely. There's no way Jeez. she was not doing that intentionally. Yeah. So after a while trying to get her out and Mm -hmm. making no progress, because there is another factor coming into play here of Margaret was these girls caretaker growing up. Mm -hmm. This is 1911. There is very much still a status quo of your social standing. Right. So Linda being a doctor would be above Margaret in her status. Right. So Margaret was most likely not able to or not brave enough or whatever to stand up to Linda because, you know, it's not her place. Right. Which makes sense. Yeah. So after doing that for a while, trying to get her out, realizing she's going to be unsuccessful, plus Linda's a really scary lady anyway, 
Margaret called Dora's uncle, who lived in Portland, Oregon, to come and rescue her. Okay. The Hazards presented him with the $2,000 bill for her stay there. Uh-huh. And after some negotiation, he was able to leave with his niece for about $1,000. Oh, how conned. So after all that, they literally killed her sister, mm-hmm. stole all of her things, holding her hostage, and he still has to pay this woman almost a thousand dollars in 1911. Yeah, that's a lot of money to get his family member out. Jeez, I would be furious. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were some other people who were very furious. Oh, I'm about sure. This. Yeah. For example, in Tacoma, British Vice Council Lucian Agassiz heard about what happened to Claire and Dora. He's like, okay, these are British citizens mm-hmm. that this woman has now tortured and killed one of. Yep. This is not okay. So he starts pressuring Kitsap County, which is where Ulala is, mm-hmm. to prosecute Linda Hazard. Good. And, I mean, after all these years, they obviously haven't done it yet. They don't seem to be very willing to yeah, do this. They're, like, literally just watching. So when one of their excuses was, oh, we can't afford to prosecute Linda Hazard, Dora Williamson offered to fund it herself. Yeah, go Dora. Right? Get it, girl. She's rich, man. She's yep. going she's gonna to make sure. Yep. So in August of 1911, Linda Hazard was finally arrested. Jeez. During the investigation, it was discovered that Linda and Samuel had been pulling the same scheme for years. Shocker. They had been targeting wealthy individuals, having them sign everything over to them after, you know, starving them to the point of delirium. Mm-hmm. And then they die of totally not starvation. Yeah, of course not. Including the legislator I mentioned who signed over the land to Linda. Yep. Another such victim was a British citizen named John Flux. He had come to America to purchase a ranch. However, when he died in Linda's care, he only had $70 to his name. Oh, God, that's awful. They took everything. Yeah, they did. They also discovered a New Zealand man named Eugene Walker who was found with a bullet in his head. Oh, God. Officially, it was a suicide. Mm -hmm. However, it was discovered that Linda had gotten his funds signed over to her. It's believed that Linda discovered that Eugene actually was not wealthy like she thought he was. And it's believed that she shot him in a rage. Because after his death, she also angrily contacted his lawyer, demanding payment as he still owed her money for his stay there. Sucks to suck. Mm -hmm. Jeez. Ultimately, Linda was found guilty of manslaughter. What? It was speculated that had she been a man, she would have been convicted of murder. She was arrested for first degree murder, but found guilty of manslaughter. And she was sentenced to 2 to 20 years in prison doing hard labor. Now, could this also be because it was, these people consented to this. She had the receipts to say they signed all this over. I'm sure that was part of it. Yeah. Like, God. Like I said, this was not a secret. People knew that patients were dying and they were still seeking out treatment. Yeah. People, not just in town. These were people from all over the world. New Zealand, England, everywhere. Insane. And she also lost her license to practice medicine. Oh, about Tom. Finally. But letters in support of Linda poured in. You don't got to be kidding me. Nope. Including a petition signed by 121 New Zealanders <laughs> saying that, quote, her incarceration was an incredible loss. What? 
An appeal was even made to the Supreme Court, but it was rejected. Good. She also managed to kill two more patients while awaiting sentencing. Oh, my God. Yep. Linda Hazard had so many people so completely duped that remember Daisy, mm-hmm. who died, one of the persons who right. left Ivar. John Hagland, his, her widowed husband, uh-huh. testified for Linda at her trial. What? Even bringing up how he had still been taking little Ivar to see her three times a week. And she literally killed his wife. And he stood up and tried to defend her. Yikes. Because he believed so much in what she was doing. Now, this is where you're going to get mad again. I'm already mad. <laughs> In 1916, after serving only two years of hard labor in prison, Linda was fully pardoned by Governor Lister. Oh, God. Now, while I did find one source that said it was on the stipulation that she left the country to go live in New Zealand with her supporters, Mm -hmm. other sources didn't say why or even said that the reasons were unknown. So I can't really tell you why he pardoned this terrible woman. But he did. Maybe she was helping him. Maybe. My only thought was if she really did say like, hey, if you pardon me, I'll leave the country and never come back. Like that's a pretty and en- that's a pretty enticing offer. Yeah. But then you just leave her to other people. Well, it gets worse if that really was the plan. Oh, cool. So after her pardon, Linda and Samuel moved to New Zealand to be mm. closer to her loyal followers. Good for her. And she practiced there in New Zealand for three years until she had enough money to come back to Ulala and fulfill her dream of building a sanitarium at Starvation Heights. They let her come back. I guess they couldn't stop her. She'd been pardoned. What are they going to do? Like physically remove her? Now, since Linda's medical license had been revoked, Linda opened this extravagant new building complete with its own basement autopsy room. Under the name School of Health. Then she simply skirted the law by calling her patients students. Learning. And she continued her fasting therapy until 1935. Oh, my God. When her sanitarium burned down to the ground. On purpose. I don't know. There's no, like, cause of the fire. I don't know. I don't know what started the fire. There's no information. But it did burn down in 1935. Still, she got to go that long. Yep. And then she had an autopsy room in her basement. Yeah. So, like, no worries about these other pesky doctors coming in to do it for her. Exactly. We know that Linda Hazard was responsible for the deaths of at least 15 people. But the exact number of victims is unknown. Because (sighs) I doubt she kept every person alive in New Zealand that she treated. And who knows how many she may have killed in Minneapolis. She was there for years as well. And like I said, this was not even a secret. Yeah, it just, just something that happened up in the mountains. People knew people were dying. Yikes. Authorities knew that people were dying. Yeah. And yet she still managed to just like keep doing it. The cult following this woman managed to obtain is almost as mind boggling as her crimes. That's what gets me. I like, cannot just- imagine the person who killed my wife. Like, being in trial for murder and me being like, oh, no, 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 she's a great doctor. She didn't do it on purpose. Like, I even still take my kid. And still took his kid. Like, what? I don't, um, if you, 
look at the picture of Dora Williamson after this therapy and tell me how on earth you could possibly think, oh, wow, this treatment helped. She looks so much better now. All better. Wow. Like, I don't. Oh, man, you can even see it before. They were beautiful women, by the way. Like, I mean, this is the 1900s, but like, picture flappers. Like, their hair is all nice. And they got the finger waves yeah. and their fancy clothes. And then. And then. Think Holocaust that, victim. That's, I didn't want to compare it, but like, I mean, that's. That's what they look like. skin and bone. Mm-hmm. You can see every bone that is so in her sad. body. And like I said, we'll have those pictures up for you to go look at if yeah. you can't look now. But Absolutely. Three years after the sanitarium burned down, Linda, who was now in her early 70s, began feeling ill. Poor thing. So, of course, she decided to cure herself with fasting. Unsurprisingly, it didn't work. And in 1938, Linda Hazard herself died of starvation. Totally not starvation. Totally not starvation. Yonks. I'm surprised she got to go on that long. That's so gross. It's unbelievable that this woman was able to, for years, claim to be a doctor and just, like, have a medical license because I can teach people how to starve. Like, she literally stood by a doctor and got a medical degree. Like, that's, she's like the LaCroix of doctors. (laughs) Let me stand in your general vicinity. Oh, I'm a doctor, too, now. It's contagious. It's Dr. Linda Hazard. And the the amount of people this woman killed. No, 15 that we know of. 15 that we know. You know there's more. And like these doctors would come back and be like, oh, yeah, they starved to death. Linda's like, no, 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 no. She had stomach cancer. It's she fine. She had, you know, a misplaced uterus. A wandering uterus has come <laughs> and taken her away. Like, jeez. Oh, my God. This woman was just pure evil, killing people to take their money. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's all it was, too, for sure. No wonder she fell in love with Samuel Hazard. I told you, meant for each other. They were. They were apparently blissfully happy and married until the day she died. You know, screw Irwin and her two kids that yeah. she forgot about. Yeah. That's like, probably, they dodged a big bullet there. I know. They're probably very lucky. I can't imagine that she was ever a good mother. Probably not. I can't imagine she was ever loving and nurturing in any way towards those kids, and they were probably way better off without her. Yeah. I hope. But that is the story of how one woman can apparently legally murder people while they pay to have it done to them for years. Thanks for listening. Like us on Facebook at True Crimes and Weird Times Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at True Crimes Weird Times. Email us your stories at truecrimesweirdtimes at gmail.com. Can't wait for the next episode? Check out our Patreon for bonus episodes and more. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Bye!